6 o'clock tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 23, look at verse number 8. These are the names of the mighty men. Somebody say mighty men. Mm. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Bathshebeth. Now, if I butcher these names, just forgive me, okay? Joshua, Bathshebeth, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino, the Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Somebody say, wow. <laughs> I mean, that to me is a wow. Let me read on. Verse 9. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the other men of Israel all went home. you got to get this. Eleazar arose and attacked the Philistines, the enemy, until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned, the people who left, the people who ran away, they returned only to help him plunder or to loot the dead. After him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Herahite. The Philistines had gathered together in a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils or barley. So the people fled from the Philistines. Father, thank you now for your word. Speak to us today, Lord. Let us have ears to hear and hearts that would be open and receptive to receive. In Jesus' name, come on and say amen. For several weeks, we have had a focus. What has been our focus for the last eight weeks, church? I want to make sure you're listening and what I'm teaching, you're receiving. We've been talking about weapons for eight weeks now. We started by understanding that our weapons are not ordinary weapons. Our weapons aren't like other people's weapons. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for instance, verses 4, 5, and 6. They tell us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I see that typo. Don't get hung up on it. Are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Ephesians 6.12 says it like this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where? In the high places, in the heavenly places, in the unseen territory. There is a spiritual fight going on right now. The battle is for your very life. The battle is for your marriage. The battle is for your children. The battle is for this church. Are you ready to fight? Are you willing to fight? Do you have your weapons? Because our fight is, not, it is spiritual and not physical, so our weapons must be spiritual. It would be nice if we could just take 
a shotgun to the devil and just blow his head off. How many would like to blow the head of the devil off? That's the only, only being that you could do that and get away with it, so you might as well say, I'd like to do that. It's not like that, though. Not that easy, is it? We fight this fight that, with an enemy that we can't even see. With weapons that we don't even really hold in our hands, although some of them we can hold in our hands, and I'm going to get to that. Do you remember the weapons that we've talked about over these last eight weeks? Let me refresh your memory. We started off with the weapon of the tongue. The Bible says there is death and life in the power of the tongue. Fran and Herb, it is so nice to see your smiling faces back home. We love the Vos so much. And Fran has been receiving some treatment a, a few miles away, and so they haven't been able to be in the house. And it's a breath of fresh air to have you here, have you home today. And we love you both so much. Come on and God bless them one more time, everybody. Our weapons consist of the tongue. Our weapons consist of praise, hallelujah. I believe that praise can still bring walls down. Praise can still cause the enemy to be confused and, 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 and defeat himself, hallelujah. The name of Jesus is a powerful weapon. Come on and say Jesus. Demons still tremble at the name of Jesus. Bodies are still healed at the name of Jesus. Those who are bound are still set free and delivered at the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a powerful weapon. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Don't you ever forget that the God we pray to has ears to hear, and not only does he hear, our God answers prayer. The Word of God is a weapon. The Bible tells us it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts, it pierces. It's able to, to discern the intent and motive even. Powerful, powerful weapon, the Word of God. We found out that giving is also a powerful weapon. You want to break poverty? You want to you confuse the enemy? You start giving when you don't have much to give. I'm telling you, it is a very, very powerful and effective weapon against the enemy. And then finally, we talked about the Holy Spirit. I love this so much, I was willing to embarrass myself and yank my shirt off and, and pretend like I was Superman last week. Otherworldly power that comes upon us to do which, that which we would not be able to do otherwise. The help of the Holy Spirit empowering us. As I studied the, the word for this, this series, the Holy Spirit led me to this amazing passage of Scripture that I found tucked away here in 2 Samuel David's mighty men are described here in our text. Thirty men are mentioned, but three rise to the top. Three stand out as especially valiant and especially mighty. They are Joshua, Eleazar, and Shammah. But today I want us to look closely at just one of these mighty men, Eleazar. More specifically, I want us to look at Eleazar's weapon. I've entitled this message today, Eleazar's Weapon. First Chronicles 11, you need not turn there, but I found that this gives us a little bit more background and a little bit more history and detail on this particular battle. The battle scene was at a place called Pasadamum. Pasadamum means the dell of bloodshed. Interestingly, 
This is the same place where David defeated Goliath years earlier. How many remember David and Goliath as, uh, in your Sunday school lessons growing up? This is the same place. Now he's, here he's back with Eleazar. This place seems to be a recurring battleground for Israel. The Philistines had held up Saul there until David came later and stepped in. And now David has returned there facing the same old enemy, the Philistines, in yet another confrontation. Anybody else tired of the enemy bringing you back to the same old battleground, the same old fight you fought before, and there you are back at the same place trying to overcome an issue, and you keep getting stuck at the same battleground? That's what the devil does. Be on guard and beware. The enemy loves to take you back to that same old battleground. Here David is back at Pasadamon. The Philistines are arrayed against him. The forces of David's army, it, it, it looked as though the enemy would defeat them. After all, they were outnumbered. The men of Israel, verse number 9, says they hightailed it out of there. Can you believe that? Don't you love a friend like that? Don't you love somebody that's at your side and then all of a sudden you look for them and they're gone? That's what happened. David looks around looking for his men, looking for, the, looking for uh, the army. What's he find? He finds one. He finds Eleazar. Looks around and sees Eleazar, one of his mighty men. And what's Eleazar got? Eleazar has his weapon in his hand and determination in his eyes. Eleazar has planted his feet in the middle of a barley field, and he's ready to swing his sword and lop off some heads of the enemy. He's fighting with all of his might. And the Bible says that before the day was done, the Lord brought about a great victory. The enemy was defeated, and those who had retreated and left, now all of a sudden they come back to plunder the dead. I like this because we see in this passage a weapon in action. We see a weapon at work. We see a weapon winning I jotted down a few things that I found helpful. Maybe you will as well. Look what I saw. Number one, the weapon was sufficient for the enemy. Maybe another soldier would think, I need a different weapon. There are too many for me to fight against. I need a bigger weapon. I need more weapons. But the weapon was sufficient for the enemy. Why was his weapon sufficient? I believe that Eleazar's weapon was sufficient for that enemy because he had confidence in his weapon. Think about it. He had fought many battles with it before, very likely. His weapon had been reliable in the previous battles. He cared for his weapon, sharpening his weapon, oiling his weapon, making sure that his weapon was in its proper place, handy and available when he needed it. You know, I read that one of the first things a soldier is issued when he enlists is his rifle. Each soldier is taught to know everything there is to know about his weapon. Before long, he can dismantle and reassemble his weapon blindfolded and in a matter of seconds. He's the only one allowed to clean his weapon, and if he misplaces it, 
He's severely disciplined. The point of all this training is so that when the soldier goes into battle, he's not concerned with whether or not his weapon will fail him. He trusts his weapon because he has confidence in his weapon. He knows his weapon completely and has proven it in many repeated drills. Why did Eleazar know that this weapon was sufficient? He was familiar with his weapon. By constant use, he had mastered that sword, practicing day after day and week after week. I'm sure that thousands of imaginary enemies were beheaded before he ever got to the real one. He knew what his sword felt like. He knew the weight of his sword. He knew what it could cut through. He knew its ability. He knew how much force was needed to swing the sword. He knew how to use it defensively. He knew how to use it offensively. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you familiar with your weapon? Do you know how your weapon feels? How much it weighs? Do you know how much your weapon can cut through? Do you realize just how forceful your weapon is? Have you mastered your weapon? Do you care for your weapon? Sharpening. How many know how to sharpen your weapon? Go ahead, Joe. How do you sharpen your weapon? This weapon now, I've transitioned to the spiritual one. Come on, anybody, tell me how to sharpen your weapon. Go ahead, Sue. There you go. It's so simple, we miss it. It's so simple, we miss it. Sharpening your sword is reading the word. Reading it, studying it, meditating on it, delighting in it, memorizing it, all that I've encouraged you to do. That's sharpening your sword. If you will have the discipline every day to get into the Word, the Word will get into you, and you will be sharpening your sword. Do you know how to oil your sword? You might not get this one. Anybody that wasn't here in the first service? First service people come, and then they're going to tell all my answers. Say it. Prayer, that's what somebody else said. That's good, but there's something else to it. Sandy, what do you think? That's it. You, you, you uh, oil the sword by the Holy Spirit's illumination and anointing. See, if you don't oil that thing, right, it could get rusty, could get corrosion. So you've got to make sure that, uh, that sword is oiled. The Holy Spirit brings illumination and revelation of the word that you have sharpened by reading it, and that's how we care for the word. Number two, the thing I saw here that really jumped off the page and got me excited was the fact that the sword, the weapon, stuck to Eleazar's hand against his enemy. The weapon was stuck to Eleazar's hand against his enemy. Now, Look at verse number 10 again. He arose, he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. Anybody need more time on that point too? Because I'm flying. I want to make sure you got that. He arose, 
fought, attacked the enemy until his hand was weary and uh, his hand stuck to the sword. Wow. Despite the fact, think about this, despite the fact that the situation seemed hopeless, they were way outnumbered by the enemy. All the other men of Israel had left, according to verse number 9. They had retreated, despite the fact that he was just wore out. Look at verse 10 again. It says, his hand was weary. His strength was depleted. Now, this word stuck. The King James says what? Anybody have King James right there? What's it say? Clave. Anybody have an NIV? NIV version? Froze. Imagine this sword clinging, sticking, claving, frozen to his hand. Now, there's a couple Hebrew meanings of this word. First of all, it means clinging on to, grasping with all his might. In other words, he clung to the sword or his weapon for dear life. He clung to his weapon as though his life depended on it. <laughs> the other meaning of this word, clave, froze, stuck, it is welded. Any welders in the house? Got a welder over here? Well, when you weld something, it actually becomes part of what you were trying to attach. That's the whole purpose of welding, right? So it can become, it beco becomes one with that which you're trying to weld it to. And that's the idea here. It was as though this sword, this weapon became one with the soldier. Eleazar and his sword became one instrument against the enemy. Are you at one with your weapon? Are you delighting in God's word and meditating on his word and memorizing God's word? This is how you become one with it. If you have to say, oh, well, wait a minute, let me go get my Bible, and then i got to find it, and i gotta, I got to word search it, and all that, you're too late. I found out I'm too late. Pimo, I don't know if you know this about him, but he is a man of the word. He challenges me. He really does. We'll get to talking about spiritual things and things in the Bible, and he will just immediately go to different portions of the Scripture. Because why? He's at one with his weapon. He doesn't have to go into his room and, and, and say, well, let me, let me look that up. I mean, it just comes out of him. And it's as though that sword has been welded to his hand. But not just his hand. Here's what I really like. It's welded to his heart. It's welded to his mind. May we all be men and women of the word, men and women of the weapons. And they become one with us, powerful to defeat the enemy. Lastly, this weapon brought success that day. Success over the enemy. I want you to look closely at verse number 10. I'm closing. That's your cue. <laughs> Look at the, the, the second part of verse number 10. The Lord brought a great victory that day. The people returned only to plunder. Eleazar did his part, didn't he? He was a skilled swordsman. 
a trained soldier in the army, in the battle. He cared for his sword. He was familiar, had confidence in his weapon. But it was the Lord that brought the victory. Don't forget that. It's not enough that you just memorize Scripture. How many of y'all know the devil knows Scripture? Come on, Satan knows the Word. He tried to use it against Jesus. What an idiot. I love that I can talk about the devil that way, right? He's an idiot. He is an idiot. I would like to blow his head off with a shotgun. I'm going to get all that out today. I'm tired of him messing with me and my family. I'm tired of him messing with this church. What an idiot. He's a defeated foe. The blood of Jesus is against Satan. He can try to, to use a scripture all he wants. But I'm believing that God is going to give me the victory over my enemy. Weapons. The fight is on. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. And this is it. This series closes today, folks. we got a wonderful guest coming in next week. You don't want to miss it. Our secretary treasurer in our district, Gordon Houston, is going to be here and bring the word. It's going to be powerful. Then we're into the Easter season with Palm Sunday and Easter. So this is really the focus of weapons. And I want you to get this. You're in the fight, whether you like it or not. We'd all like to take a little break, wouldn't we? Wouldn't you like a little leave? Right? They give a leave. Well, sorry. We're just in the fight. But God has given us wonderful weapons that work every time. And if we will take these weapons in our hand, they'll win. We'll win. The Lord will bring about a great victory. Every head bowed in this room. Father, thank you for your word. How, how awesome is your word life-changing. And what you have sent it to accomplish, God, I pray it would be done. Let it not return to your void. May it bring about the needed changes in our lives, in our hearts. With heads bowed, I want to ask this question before we dismiss today. If you died today, do you know where you would spend eternity? It's a very real question, a very serious question. And you may say, well, I hope I'd go to heaven. And our society teaches that everybody goes to heaven. Oprah Winfrey thinks everybody's going to go to heaven. She ought to know better because she was raised in church. And that's another sermon for another day, too, but said it. Listen, folks, not everybody goes to heaven. I'm sorry to say that, but I would be misleading you. The Bible is very clear. Only those who accept God's plan of salvation by His Son, Jesus Christ, are permitted into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father except by me. If you're here today and you're not sure if you would go to heaven or not, I want to make you sure of that. It's as simple as praying a prayer, asking God to forgive you and accepting His Son, Jesus. If you're ready today to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want me to pray for you, lift your hand right now. Everybody's heads are bowed. Lift your hand and receive this gift of everlasting life. Life in heaven. Anyone? Everyone standing. Well, I believe that we can leave here today saying, it's been good to be in God's house. Amen? I do want to invite you back tonight. Pastor Dave, I want you to come and dismiss us in prayer and pray a prayer of blessing over this great congregation of believers. Meet me here tonight, folks, and let's celebrate God's goodness. Amen. He's been good to us this morning, church. He's been blessed. Let's bless him back. Father, we thank you. We thank you for visiting with us today and pouring out your presence in this place. We thank you, God, that you are God Almighty and that you love us enough to give us your son. God, you love us enough to give us weapons, Lord. And I pray that we would use these weapons against the enemy, Father. Lord, I speak blessing upon each and every one of us. God, help us to be a blessing to you, Father. We love you. We thank you. Bring us all back safely tonight. In Jesus' name.